So we've had a few people recently that have been really honest and vulnerable about their tendency to be defensive in their marriages. You know, we all do this. No, we don't. <laughs> so we wanted to reach out with two quick tips for managing your own defensiveness. I don't have any defensiveness. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody, this is episode number 29. We are going to be talking about defensiveness and how you can disarm your own defensiveness. So this is one that I really need to pay attention to. I I couldn't agree more wholeheartedly. (laughs) I've been trying to disarm it for years. And finally, I thought I'd just teach you how to do your own disarming. Thanks. You're welcome. Yeah. I think uh, defensiveness is awesome because you can force it to happen. Watch this. Berlinda, you are way too defensive. Shut up. I'm not going to react. (laughs) (laughs) Busted. (laughs) Anyways, that's called crazy making. We don't want you to do that either. But there's a part of defensiveness. Then why do you do it? I never do it. There's a part of defensiveness that's born out of our God-given instinct towards fight, flight, or freeze. You know, there's a natural part of ourselves that reacts to adversity, right? Yep. And there's a healthy component to that. But defensiveness is really the fight part of that. But it's when it comes out too often, it becomes a problem. Okay. And, uh, you know, a little bit of defensiveness is never going to wreck a marriage. Right. But a lot of defensiveness, let me go back a step here. Dr. John Gottman, he has the four horsemen of the apocalypse, right? Yeah. And he says, when all four of these features are present in a marriage, there's an 80, I think he says there's an 80% chance that the marriage is going to fail unless there's like corrective action that starts pretty quick here. Mm-hmm. So one of those four horses is defensiveness. And when it's always present there, it just means you're never willing to receive influence from your spouse. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think we need to make a difference here. Like we joke around about our defensiveness, yeah. like, you know, telling me I'm defensive and I get defensive and whatever. I think that's a little bit different than you've got an issue and you can't own your own stuff. You're always throwing it back. Right. Like, I think this is a bit of a serious issue. It is a serious issue. And and where it looks serious is when you're always deflecting the blame back on your spouse. Yeah. And you're always saying, I'm not the problem. You are. Right. Well, what are you going to do with that? Like, what's your spouse supposed to do with that? Yeah. You know, how is there any progress in a relationship when you can't own your own stuff? Yeah. I don't know how there could be. It just really kind of beaches the whale. That was a good analogy, hey? Okay, we'll just go with that. Yeah. All right. And here's the thing. Like, the more you defend yourself, the harder I have to press to get through the wall. And then you get in a crazy cycle because then the more defensive you become. Yeah. So the thicker your concrete, the bigger the bomb I got to drop. And then you're just getting more painful. It gets louder. It gets worse or whatever, right? Yeah. So, you know, you're getting defensive to often to protect ourselves, but it produces more conflict. Yeah. Of what you really don't want. Yep. Yeah. Why do we do that as people? We just all backwards sometimes. I don't, I think we just don't want to be wrong. Like I really like being right. I can agree with that. Yeah. So it's much easier to think that you're wrong than I'm wrong, even though I am wrong sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good job. All right. Well, that that does beg the question for Linda. Why do we do this? Because we don't want to be wrong. Yeah, but I'm looking for something like deeper. deeper. I want yeah. that, that good psycho stuff. Maybe because we're feeling a little bit insecure. Yes. Or how about a lot insecure? How yeah. about, you know, a fragile ego? So that, that sense of my inner self and who I am, if that's fragile and I just feel like that's a really thin piece of glass that could get broken really easy, I'm going to be more defending of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, any idea that you have or any disagreement that you have with an idea that I had or a choice I made or some behavior, 
I can take that as a personal attack on me mm-hmm. directly. And maybe you're not going to like me as much if you realize I've done this wrong. Yeah. So I don't want to admit I did it wrong. Yes, there's a core sense of self that's threatened by it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, in any ways you challenge my ideas, you're challenging me. Like it just, it's not like we're kind of, we can safely abstractly talk about an idea or objectively talk about an idea. It's like Mm -hmm. when you threaten the idea, you threaten me. There's no difference there. Mm -hmm. And that's all about ego. So hence the need to defend if we're being attacked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now that whole fragile ego, that that can take a, a lot of therapy to get that sorted out. But sometimes when we find ourselves being defensive, we can just, I just want to give two quick tips for Linda. Okay. Or maybe not quick, but two tips. They're quick to do. Okay. That way. Okay. And... And this can just help us kind of leverage ourselves out of the defensiveness. So this is not something you do for your spouse. We're not reacting defensively. It's what we can do for ourselves. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But before we go there, let's talk about that for a sec. It is kind of fun when your spouse is being defensive to uh, gently and in a kind, maybe even a uh, gentle humor way, point that out to them. Ooh, look at you getting all defensive. Yeah. You enjoy that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it kind of works. Yeah. Well. Okay, next. What's your first tip? Okay. Well, hang on a sec. That's actually a skill because uh, uh, Dr. Gum, he calls that the repair, right? So the injection of humor just kind of diffuses the situation. It gives you a chance to regroup and sort of recollect and come at it from a different angle. Right. So, that, you know, that's a, that's a little bonus tip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. First tip goes like this. Four words. You could be right. Not you, Verlinda, but somebody else. Well, obviously I'm right. <laughs> But if you if you can just tell the person, you know what, you could be right. And then you don't feel like you're giving everything away and you're still holding your position, but you're sending a signal that says, I'm open to hearing what you're going to say now. Oh, so this is instead of being defensive There's and saying, no way I'm, you're wrong. And shutting you down or whatever, instead mm-hmm. of all that. Well, you could be right. Okay. So it's it's easy to do. It's a powerful shift. And just throw that out there kind of in front of yourself and... Or maybe you have a spouse that tries to bait you into an argument sometimes. Well, you could be right. Tell me more. It keeps you open. It lets you hear any genuinely constructive criticism that might be coming your way that you Mm -hmm. need to hear. Mm -hmm. And that could be valid or it could be actionable. So when our spouse says something to us and it's important enough that they're willing to risk having an argument or a fight over it, it must be important to them. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's likely some good in there. And even if that good is only the intent and it's not really well worded on their part, we want to try to receive as much of that good as we can. Right. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, I think it's just a way of kind of... Go ahead. You do this all the time. And I never even knew what you were doing. Uh, I'm going to be a lot more aware now. Yeah. Now you're going to be more defensive because you're ready for it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. I get more tricks. Mm -hmm. All right. But I think it's a great way of kind of lowering your own emotional resistance. And you know what I mean by that? Like... You're not going to be as defensive? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we don't want to hear stuff and it's more emotionally based that we don't want to hear it sometimes because it feels attacking. Right. But this kind of lets you lower that because you're just saying, well, you could be right. So I'm going to try to stay with mm-hmm. it. Do you know what I'm just thinking? What? Uh, slight change of topic, but it's still in defensiveness. I wonder if sometimes we're defensive because we know that you're right, but we're not ready to hear it. Mm. Like, yeah, okay. You brought it up. It's a sore spot. I know I need to work on that, but... Be quiet now. Like, I don't want to hear anymore. Why do you do that? So it's a way of shutting you down so that it doesn't hurt anymore and I can process it on my own. What do you think? Yeah, that's good. That's fair. What do you think is a better way of doing that, though? Saying that. Like, okay, yeah, that hurts. I know I need to work on that. Well. Can we talk about it another time when I've had time to process it? Oh, well, that's getting better. 
But at the start, you sound like you were just stonewalling. Like yeah, you saying, don't want to shut away. them down. Yeah. That sounds like I'm not willing to receive your influence. Okay. You could be right. Can I think about it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. You could be right. Something like that. And when you do that, though, Verlinda, doesn't that put you in a more powerful place when you're showing that you're willing to receive that? Because when you shut them down, like if you shut me down, what am I going to do? I'm going to shut you down, baby. You know what I mean? Like it's just back and forth. Okay. Like who's, it, it gets into a shutdown match. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. And it, I'm just saying the argument escalates. Yes. Gotcha. Sweet. Okay. Second tip. First one was you could be right. Second one, this is more about being or helping a spouse who may be close-minded without resorting to your own defensiveness. So Benjamin Franklin used to use this technique and he would just bring in an imaginary third party. Not like, well, your mother would say da, 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 da. That's, yeah, that's, that's not, not imaginary. help any defensiveness situation. But it would just be like, he'd ask sort of a more rhetorical question that just felt safer. It was kind of disarming and wasn't the direct threat of challenging straight back at you. And he would start it off like, how would you respond if someone said that whatever? Okay. And so it keeps yourself in a posture of curiosity mm-hmm. rather than defensiveness. Because we're talking about the subjective third party who might be witnessing our situation. I wonder what that person would say or think. Like how they would react to what I just said or? It really depends on the situation. It could be any. So let me give you an example. Jack okay. says, Jack comes home. He says, I can't believe you haven't started dinner. I'm starving and you're just sitting there relaxing. Yeah. So that's that's a very harsh start. Yeah. Now, a typical defensive reaction from Jill might be, you've got hands. Why don't you make dinner? Why do you expect me to be your slave? And then they've got nowhere. Right. But now I don't want to excuse Jack's behavior. But yeah. what if Jill came back with something different and said, well, how would you respond if someone told you that I'd had a brutal day at work myself and I was totally burnt out and discouraged when I got home? Mm-hmm. How do you think Jack's going to come back on that one? Be a little softer. Now he's going to be like, oh, stuck my foot in it. I'll order pizza and flowers, honey. (laughs) Right? Yeah, yeah. So that's using that third party. How would you respond if someone told you that I had a brutal day at work myself and was totally burnt out and discouraged when I got home? That's why she's sitting on the couch not making your supper, Jack. So that just takes away the defensiveness. Like, why couldn't she say that? She would say that. I've had, but why does she have to say, what if someone told you? Like, why couldn't she just say, you know what? I had a brutal day at work and I'm burnt out and I'm so discouraged. She could. Yeah. Yeah, she could certainly say that, Verlinda, but it might be really hard for a lot of people who've struggled a lot with defensiveness to come back with that tone of voice. Right. Whereas if they can yeah. kind of step into a little bit of a strategy mindset and talk about the third person, then she doesn't feel she needs to lay that little edge in the voice. That kind of... To lay the guilt trip. Yeah, stick the knife in and twist, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's what I think is the difference there. Okay, so first one, you could be right. Second one is kind of bringing in the imaginary third party. How would you respond if someone said that? Or how would you respond if someone told you mm-hmm. something like that? Mm-hmm. So I think that in all of this defensiveness thing, like the core theme is the more that we can compassionately accept our spouse where they're at, the more open-minded we become. And that leads to healthier interactions in marriage. Okay. All good? Yep. All right, that's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 29. Remember, we're here to help build thriving, passionate marriages. So if this was helpful to you, we'd love it if you could help us spread the word and share this with others who would also be blessed by it. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.